If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ukrainian troops on on this side of the border are nervous. They're worried about what they describe as provocations. They say that the, the, the Russians are, and Russian-backed separatists are trying to goad them into a fight. And if you remember just a few days ago, the White House said, and the Pentagon announced, that Russia, it, it believed, had already infiltrated provocateurs into this country who could carry out a, a, an attack to deliberately cause a conflict, to, to deliberately give Russia a pretext to cross the Rubicon, to cross that border and invade Ukraine. That's Richard Engel of NBC News. It seems that the uh, the tensions between Russia and Ukraine and just the world in general have ratcheted up quite a bit in the last 24 hours. There are emergency meetings going on today. Now Europe is heavily involved, France and Germany among others in talking to Russia and Ukraine and trying to figure this all out. All kinds of threats go in various directions of sanctions and not starting up the Nord Stream pipeline, etc. To assess the military and diplomatic aspects of this thing, it's a great pleasure to welcome back to the show Mike Lyons, military analyst who's served with various military organizations uh, in the U.S. and Europe throughout his career. You've seen him on network TV, the rest of it. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Great to be back with you. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah, and and the same to you. Uh, First of all, uh, let's start with Vladimir Putin. What is his interest in Ukraine, whether legitimate or no? Yeah, he needs it from a monetary perspective. Um, You know, Russia is is a dying country, unfortunately, and someplace that covers 11 land masses with uh, 1,500, 2,000 nuclear weapons. It's got that on its side, but the country's going in the wrong direction in a lot of ways. And so this is a money play, and it costs money to go to war, but he's figuring that the money he'll take out of Ukraine and what he'll get from it will allow his country to survive, uh, you know, maybe another decade or so. I mean, he's got a short lifespan now uh, as himself in that he realizes that he wants to, you know, reunite the the former Soviet Union, and this is how he's going to do it. I mean, it's very clear. 
They've moved troops now into Belarus and to the north. Um, they've got Ukraine totally surrounded with large number of troops. And from, from a straight military perspective, it's, it's just a matter of time. So uh, I was looking at your tweets. You feel like the whole Belarus angle is not getting enough attention that, and that it's important? Yeah, I think a couple things. So Belarus in the last year now has fallen out of favor with NATO. It's not one of those alliance partners anymore. So so that relationship has, has been shattered. Now, you, you look to the north again of, of Belarus, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and those are NATO countries. Poland on the border of Belarus. Now, Poland's going to feel threatened as a NATO country with Russian troops. The other Russians could possibly move nuclear weapons into Belarus. I think... I think Belarus is going to end up falling very quickly now uh, under Russia in terms of kind of like a new iron curtain, so to speak, or it's going to fall in their in their atmosphere as a very minimum and allow Russia now to attack Ukraine from from the north as people are going to try to leave Kiev. They're going to try to leave Ukraine, go probably due west, but they can't no longer escape from the north now at this point with that, uh, that kind of anvil at the top of their country now being being locked off. I'm going to jump to, like, maybe the biggest question that the average person who doesn't follow this stuff very closely wonders. Any chance we're militarily with actual troops pulled into this? Uh, I, I don't see it. We wouldn't get there on time. It'll be over before we could get troops to a boat to get them you know, anywhere near the place. We, we, there's not a chance. I mean, okay. we, that, that, that ship sailed back in the 90s when we took 300,000 troops out of out of Europe, um, we talk a big game. NATO, NATO has tried to be this alliance now, and it's become too big and too wielding in terms of how it's intimidating. Uh, all, one of one of Russia's demands is to basically restore NATO back to what it was in 1997, which kicks out about 14 countries, kicks out all those Slovenia, kicks out Romania, Lithuania, the Estonias, uh, Hungary, Poland, and the Czech Republic. So, so you know, they want to set the clock back, and because of what they feel the threat is. Now, we have some troops in these places, but nothing to the a matter of 127,000. We'd have to have 300,000 troops in order to try to do anything in Ukraine at this point. Well, to that demand of NATO, uh, with all due respect, Mr. Putin, go to hell. I mean, please, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to get political about this, uh, about this, but it does strike me that uh, I thought uh, Trump was the Russian stooge who Putin was right. running roughshod over and that, that uh, Biden would stand up to him. Yeah. No, and, and I think the other calculation that Putin's making is that he's probably only got about a year left of the Democrats running the country right now because the Republicans will come and take over the House and the Senate next fall, let's say. And if that happens without the president, it doesn't matter. You're just going to see a lot more Republican influence here. So, yeah, no, for sure. We were elected because Joe Biden was going to save NATO. It was going to be great. Um, and, he, and he was going to force them to back down. And, and it's just the opposite. It's like everything else. We've been gaslit from you know these people about what actually happened during the last four years in the Trump administration. And and um, now here we go. The shooting's going to start. So you've talked before about how many retired generals there are out there in the media. So there, there's an awful lot of them, and, and they they there are a lot of different opinions among them. I've heard some opinions that Putin most likely is going to do something because this is way too expensive to just be a bluff. How do you feel about that? I, I agree. It is. It is too expensive. You can't um, move the amount of troops and the logistics he's moved not only close to the border, but uh, second and third tiers away from it there from what we've seen in satellite shots. And again, I bring back Belarus by moving troops in there and the, the threat he's making there. You know, we always knew he needed he needed Crimea 
because he has to have that warm water port uh, from for Russia to have any kind of formidable navy power to be to project power throughout the world. Uh, so we knew that was going to happen. Happened under Obama. Nothing was really responded to that. We could have moved troops into Poland. We could have done a lot more things back then to prepare what what was going to happen now. But I do think that at this point, similar to us, when we were moving troops uh, to Saudi Arabia and moving to these places, uh, the first thing I thought of is like you don't move that, that level of troops there without using them. So it's just a matter. It's just again, I think it's just a matter of time. Wow. Major Mike Lyons is on the phone. Mike, I've heard it suggested that the U.S. might indeed arm. Uh, the Ukrainian forces to operate as guerrillas and perhaps make it so painful and financially draining for the the Russians that they have to pull out eventually or or soften what they're doing. It's you know it is straight out of our playbook in Afghanistan uh, way back in the eighties nineties. Uh, what do you think of that possibility? Well, I think it's a little bit more challenging because Ukraine's more of a developed country. It's a built up area. They don't ha- th- that happened in, in Afghanistan because of the terrain. Because they were able to um, use the terrain against the, the Russian invaders at the point, but now Ukraine's got built-up areas. It's it's a breadbasket. It grows wheat. It's not. It doesn't have the same advantages that you would from a from a you know, counterinsurgency perspective to try to do that. Um, I don't know how we're going to get that money in. The first thing he's going to do is like likely seal the border. He's going to own those areas within the Black Sea, Odessa, and places without you know. So supplies are not coming in from from water. He's he's sealed off the northern portion. It's going to come only from the east. I'm, I'm not sure how that stuff's getting there. And this is what this has come down to. And that's what the calculus is, is what's there now, what's going to get there in the future, and how fast can he close it off. It's just not the same kind of place to conduct a counterinsurgency. It's, it's not, it's not a, a desert of Iraq, or it's not the mountains of Afghanistan. Ukraine is a built-up areas that he can easily control with the forces he's got there. So we um, we are threatening all kinds of sanctions. Europe is threatening, and then uh, you know there'd be after the fact uh, loaning of arms and all that sort of stuff that we've talked about. But you said mm-hmm. it'd be over too fast for us to help, even if we wanted to. How do you mm-hmm. see this playing out militarily? Is it something that lasts days, weeks, months? How does how does that uh, look? Days to a weeks or so, let's say. I mean, it, it, the kind of material and equipment that they have on their border there is in line with more of like a blitzkrieg, heavy armor, infantry, mobilized, mechanized infantry type operation that will move very quickly in in areas that they'll bypass where there's any strongholds. Look, the Ukrainian military has built up. They've done certain things, but I think they're we're setting themselves up to a, a big failure as well. Um, they'll just bypass any of those strong points and then, you know, hook back around them and then look to surround them and choke them off. Uh, so I just it's going to it's going to go too fast for us to try to think we're going to get anything there uh, with any time with any kind of urgency that's going to help the Ukrainian military do what they need to do. You know, Mike, I'd like to circle back to one of the first things you said. You were describing how Russia is a decaying country, how it's uh, economically, you know, bordering third worldism. I did hear it uh, asked the other day by somebody, I can't remember who, do you have a single product in your home, in your garage, where you work, that was made in Russia? And the answer is yeah. absolutely not. Right. No, they're one, they're one trick pony, and that is energy, gas, um, you know, that pipeline is important to them. But um, at some point, this taking Ukraine brings another economic lever into them, and that's wheat and that's other other products that, that come out of the country that will likely you know be closed off initially. But look what sanctions have done to Iran. That's not, not stop them. They still continue to fund terrorism. I mean, it, it, we continue to to talk this good game with all these partners. But at the end of the day, 
some of these partners have to still do business with with Iran, and, and in some in some cases, the, the, the Germans again, for example, the Germans outsource energy. You got to be kidding me! You know, they outsource their energy to the Russians here, and now they're talking about closing off the pipeline. This is just talk because at the end of the day. There's not going to be cold nights in Germany just because of this. They're just going to say, oh, you know, oh well, we're going to, we'll figure it out, and uh, and we'll we'll continue to buy our energy from from the Russians after closing down all their nuclear plants. So you know, you get woke, go broke is really what's happened to some of these just you know these Western European countries. Final question: If you were in charge, do you think this is worth American lives? If not one. if we had the opportunity. Yeah, not one. Uh, at this point, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's the way of the world. It's. It's again. It's so many things could have happened in the past to not get this to, to this spot. But as you look at China with their hundred-year view of the world, Russia's probably more ten to fifteen, and how this has been going on, for, you know, since then. The fact that they want to restore NATO back to ninety-seven tells me that Russia has been looking at this for the past twenty years. But we're every four years. Every four years, we decide to change, and and we can't kind of figure out what to do there. So I I, I think again that the die has been cast for this to happen. Um, Ronald Reagan tried to foresee that back when he was president. For example, recognized the nuclear problem, did the disarmament. This is this transcends just the conventional side of Ukraine. It's the missile treaties that we don't have anymore with the Chinese and the Russians, and it's, it's all the other things that are going to escalate. There's an arms race that's going to take place once this happens, and the question is. How can we get the lid back on that as soon as possible? I'm not sure we have the intellectual capital, or I'm not sure we have the stomach to do that within this, this administration, at least, whether or not the next administration does, we'll see. It's an ugly world. Major Mike Lyons, a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, Mike, is always uh, great fun to talk to you. Thanks a million for making the time. Great guy. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly world, like Joe just said. It always has been. We had a brief period that we all got lulled into thinking, no, this is the natural state of things. Where everything, uh, you know, uh, one country wouldn't invade another country. That just can't happen anymore. And we got lulled into thinking that's the state of the world. No, this is the state of the world. The bully on the playground does whatever the hell he wants unless somebody can stop them. That's the state of the world. Right. And you can keep them out of your yard, but you probably can't keep them out of two yards away unless you're willing to fight them. And everybody's got to come up with their own self-interest. And like Mike Lyon said, then, no, no, not one, not one American life is worth this. So, uh, you know. Hey, Europe, you want to send some troops? Go ahead. Otherwise, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Interesting. And yeah, Putin knows that, too. Of course he does. Yeah, he's not much of a sentimentalist, Putin. Right. More like a reptile. I'm glad we talked to Mike, because, man, this could happen at any moment, as the White House said yesterday. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.